Thank you for listening to this message from the Bridge Metro West in Natick, Massachusetts. Paul David Gidry is the senior pastor at the Bridge. For more information about the Bridge Metro West family, our gatherings and events, visit www.bridgemetrowest.com or call us at 508-651-0277. Yes, welcome to the Bridge Metro West, where everything goes according to plan. Believe it or not, we have a spreadsheet for every service that we do. If you're here for the first time, we welcome you. And without apology. We also want to welcome our online audience. And there was much rejoicing. I'm showing my age. If you understand that reference, then repent and be baptized. Um, One of the marks of Jesus is that he was acquainted with our suffering. I love that David Ruth song, Lily of the Valley. One of the lines is, acquainted with our suffering, he was broken for us all. And what some in the kingdom forsake is that Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. That he came to deliver a word so that our joy may be full. So even in the midst of suffering, we can have joy. And this is part of what his body broken for us and his blood that was shed for us, the, the, the sacrifice that he endured, that he endured the cross for the joy set before him on the road to suffering as he was being whipped and beaten and torn. There was a joy before him that was the target, that was the trajectory of his thought life in the midst of it. That's the significance of communion among many things. Salvation, healing, and deliverance did not cease with the passing of the last apostle. John 17 says he prays that the glory that he's been given, Jesus, that would be given to his disciples, but not only to his disciples, but to those who would believe according to his word. It's in the word, guys. It did not cease. Sozo is the Greek word, salvation, healing, and deliverance from this body that was broken for us and this blood that was shed for us. So now, once you say yes to Jesus and you've surrendered your life to Jesus, not just experienced the the fragrance of him passing by, not just showing up to church to get goosebumps, but when you've really surrendered your life to him and you've entered in to salvation, his word says that, you know, if you're my disciples, you'll go where I'm going. That's the mark. 
When you've entered into that, now we enter into Romans 8, 1, where there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But you have to be in Christ Jesus to have no condemnation. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be broken. It doesn't mean that you're not going to screw up. It doesn't mean that you're not going to miss the mark. But in the missing of the mark, there is no condemnation. There is discipline and instruction to get you back on course. That is the significance of communion. And that's why I pray, Holy Spirit, search us and know us. Would you find anything in us that would inhibit the free flow of your glory and your grace? Would you come with the washing of the water of your word and the power of your spirit, the power of the blood of Jesus? Would you come right now, God, and would you set us back on center? But I know as I ask that, you're saying, hey, you know what? My goodness is already here. Would you turn your face to my face? That is the act of repentance. Would you stand up out of your circumstance? Would you get out of your stuff? Would you stop focusing on the things around you and the things that have happened to you or what you think has happened to you over the last 12 to 18 months? And would you turn your face to mine? Because my face is better than anything you're focusing on right now. So come Holy Spirit. See, he comes so that there would be a free flow of his glory, his grace, his power, and his anointing through you. What are the things that are inhibiting that? Allow him to touch you in the place of your pain this morning. Because that's what it takes to be healed. So on the night that he was betrayed, oh, you don't know what's happened to me. My friends have turned their back on me. I, you know, they make fun of me. I'm persecuted. They call me a Jesus freak. My, my dishwasher and refrigerator broke in the same week. I've been there. I've been through trials. On the eve that Jesus was betrayed by one he called as his own, he took the bread and he broke it and he blessed it and yes the bread is better than this thing but it's what we got and he took the cup and he blessed it he said this is my body that is broken for you this is my blood shed for you so in the presence of men and angels and before his throne, eat and drink, church, for the honor of the king. Just take a moment. my beautiful wife, Debbie. And I just, uh, just now, she loves it when I do this, which is very occasionally. I just asked her to pray for the word today. 
<laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You're so here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You reign free here, and we love you for working in our lives. And Father, right now, <clears throat> we just pray for the word. We pray for your, your body here that's speaking. We just ask that you would pour, pour down from heaven everything that needs to be spoken. We ask for hearing ears. Open the ears and eyes to see what you would have us to see this day to bring freedom to our lives, Jesus. In your word is life, healing, deliverance. I ask for strength in, in Paul right now. Father God, give him in his body strength to deliver your word. That he steps into your realm of glory, Father. And in your realm of glory, there's no sickness, there's no disease. And Father, that actually when he steps out, I pray for it to continue. Father God, right now, from head to toe, holy, holy God, heaven on earth right now. Thank you, Jesus. So again, we just say, use your servant and bless him as he speaks in Jesus' name. Amen. Whew, yeah, go ahead, give her a hand. That was, that was a good prayer. You can honor her. Wow. Uh, wow. Um, so if you're, you're not aware, um, and I'll just rehash it very quickly. If you're not aware, you can watch the message from last week. Um, about, a, I don't know how many weeks ago now at this point, but um, I was diagnosed. I was having some issues just with brain fog and a whole bunch of other issues that I had started to deal with two and a half years ago, but I never quite dealt with. See, when you're young, you, you have filters you have the strength to, I'm not, I'm turning 50 this year. Am I, am I still young? Yeah. Grandpa Jack said, said that his baby is 50. So I'm still, my mom was still alive. I'd still be the baby. She's, she's in a cloud of witnesses. I'm still the baby. Therefore, I can act how I want because I'm the baby. I get privileges because I'm the baby. I didn't get whipped like my brother and sisters did because I'm the baby. I, I grew up in an age where it was still okay to do that. I should have been spanked more than I was, but I didn't because I was the baby. And frankly, my parents were just too old and too tired to whip me and spank me the way that they should. I'm sorry if you don't believe in corporal punishment, but I am a product thereof as is my family but I just got a lot less of it. So if you think I misbehave or I'm inappropriate and I say things that I shouldn't say from the pulpit, then maybe I should have been whipped a little bit more than I was. We had a belt. I never got it. <laughs> so I was diagnosed with moderate to severe depression. I'm the happiest, most joyful, depressed guy you'll ever see at least on Sundays, because the Spirit of God, there's something in corporate worship that breaks down every wall, that, that heals sickness and disease. And, and, you know, I don't, you know, here's the thing. I, I know that not everybody gets healed. We've had wins and we've had losses. But in the glory, something happens. On top of that, I'm having a, a, a pretty, uh, to me, serious issue in my cervical spine that causes uh, a pain at times that is inconsolable. And my arm goes numb and does weird things and all kinds of things. But it, amazingly, again, in this atmosphere of corporate worship, 
whatever I was feeling when I came into the building goes away. That's why my wife was saying, when I leave, please, Lord. So I had an MRI this week. I don't have the results yet, but let me tell you that that was the worst 30 minutes of my life. I came into that place, actually feel, it was the best that I'd felt. And so I was feeling almost foolish. Like I, I told Deb, I was like, I don't know, I feel really good today. So they're gonna do this MRI. And then I laid flat, which I typically can't do. And for, they didn't even, they just, you know, sometimes they give you little breaks, like they talk to you and they knew that I was in so much pain that they just ran the scan as fast as they could. I was breathing like I was birthing a baby. I was in so much pain that they had to call my wife in to come dress me because I couldn't move. They had to wheel me out. And my wife walked, walked into the, to the room. I broke down weeping saying, I can't do this anymore. Sometimes that's what pain does. So I come to you as a broken vessel, but I also recognize that in brokenness, there's a beauty that comes. I'm not saying that God sends sickness and disease because he can't send what he has, but what he, but what he doesn't have. But Romans 8.28 says that he works all things to the good for those who love him and are called according to the purpose. I am those two markers. I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. Therefore, his power is perfected in my weakness and there's beauty in the broken. Come on. Whatever it takes. So I'm not, I'm not opposed to medicine. I love deliverance and inner healing, but I'm also on a mild antidepressant. And Greta says it's working. <laughs> doctor asked, serious, serious conversation. I, I had a, a few doctor appointments this week and, and I, the doctor asked me, well, how do you feel about the, the, the Wellbutrin is the, the drug? And I said, honestly, I, you know, because of the, the spine issues, I'm not sleeping. The month of August, I slept two to three hours a night. Did that for about three weeks before I caved and finally went to the doctor because I'm stubborn. And I said, so I don't really know. But my assistant says that it's working because I'm more engaged with people and with them when I come to the office. He said, normally I don't, I don't accept like a third party assessment, but in this case, that might be okay. So we're way over time already, but I, wanna, I want, again, as we get into the word, I want you to write some scriptures down for two reasons. Number one, if you don't, then you're wasting my time and yours, and uh, I'm the baby, and I'm broken and cantankerous, even though I have a smile on my face, and so don't waste my time today, and I don't want to waste yours. The other reason is this will keep me anchored to what I feel like the Lord wants to release today. So it's twofold. It's not just for you, it's for me as well. We're going to put this up on the screen, I believe, just the list of scriptures so that you can look at that. And then the rest of it, I don't know what's going to happen on the screens because I had a technical problem this morning with my stuff. John chapter 12, 26. Yes, we read that last week, but we're going to keep reading that till you get it. John 15, 17. 1 Chronicles 29, 10 through 13. First Thessalonians 5, 
12 through 24. Some of my favorite verses actually are in that chapter. I'll give you a second because Thessalonians is a long word. You can just write Thess. Romans 5, 1 through 6. Oh, look at that. It's all up there for you. See how nice we are for you? Today I want to talk to you about going from being overwhelmed to an overcomer. Overwhelmed to an overcomer. So many of us have been overwhelmed in this season. And as we get into the word, I just want to take a moment and uh, allow you to, even during the word, receive or give so into the glory, your tithes, your offerings, whatever the Lord lays on your heart to give. Two ways to do that. You write a check to the bridge. You can mail it in. If you don't know where to mail it, that's for the online audience. You guys don't have to mail it. There's a basket in the back. You just hit that on your way out or on your way wherever. But you can download our app. You can go to the Bridge Metro West page on Facebook, bridgemetrowest.com, or you can text one word, Bridge Metro West, to the number 77977. We will send you a secure link right now by which you can give responsibly by credit card or debit card. Uh, we never ask you to go into debt to give. That's not giving. That's borrowing. God doesn't need Citibank's money. He will take it anyway. Come on. It's been like a couple years since I've said that, right? I want to resurrect that thing. I just actually, I also, I, we've been kind of rolling through that. I feel the urge to pray over this moment right now. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I release a blessing upon the gift, upon the giver, upon everyone, even in this room, everyone within earshot of this uh, time, whenever they happen to listen to it. God, I know firsthand the blessing on giving, the blessing on sowing. Lord, even uh, there were seasons in my life, there was a long season in my life where I sowed out of my lack in you blessed and you blessed and you blessed. So today, Lord, I know that you're interested in every part of our lives, Lord. There is nothing too mundane in our life today that you do not uphold in your heart, God. And so, God, I'm asking for jobs and marketplace favor. Lord, I'm asking for jobs that we're not even applying for, promotions we're not even looking for. Show the world who your sons and your daughters are, even in these uncertain times, and we will supply the needs of the kingdom around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Say amen again, amen. like you mean it. We just had a recent testimony again of someone who applied for a job. They had lost their job. They applied for a job, and they were given a job, I don't know, one or two steps higher. Now they might be regretting that. But it's God. It's, it's the fire of God to produce purity in a life. Isn't that right? I don't want to look at that person because I don't want to make him feel too awkward, but he knows. What does it mean to be overwhelmed? The word overwhelm is defined as such, to be upset. Not upset as in, like, I'm upset at you, but to have your life upset, to overthrow to cover over completely as in to be submerged. And I would say to be submerged in a circumstance of life. To be overpowered or to overpower in thought or 
feeling, overwhelmed with grief, overwhelmed by terror, a sense of inadequacy overwhelmed me, overwhelmed with guilt. Some of us know what it's like to be overwhelmed by life. God's calling. Lord, deliver that person right now in Jesus' name. I know you're calling, but they're not answering. Jesus, would you just come? He's knocking on the door of your heart right now. Oh, brother and sister. I'm the baby. I can do what I want. I'm turning 50 next month. Is it October yet? I'm turning 50 in six weeks or something. I don't know. And I'm okay with it. On that day, I might go out and buy a convertible. I've already got the trophy wife, so I want a convertible. And I want a V8 or a V10. I almost test drove a V10, but it got sold by the grace of God before I got there because I'm just not sure what might have happened once I had driven that. Yeah, well, you know what? Here, let me tell you a story about my wife. You, you, I'm not going to go into the whole circumstance, but you know, back in 2007 when I was sick, they told me I had a tumor in my pancreas, and I lost 25 pounds in a week, and I was in the hospital, and we got finally got out of the hospital, and I'm on all kinds of pain meds and this and that, and my wife had been wanting a minivan. So what does she do? When I'm on drugs... In North Carolina, not even in a Boston hospital, in like ruralish North Carolina, New Bern, I think it was. I mean, New Bern's a nice, a beautiful city, actually. I consider moving there someday, but what does she do? She takes me to the dealership and we trade in my car for a minivan while I'm on drugs. Oh, you guys are all clapping? What is wrong with you people? It was a minivan, it didn't even have a V8. And what happened at 37,000 miles just out of warranty, Chrysler? The wiring rotted and something else happened. It was like three, $4,000 in, in repairs just out of warranty. Thank you, Daimler Chrysler. Maybe they'll give me a new car now. Just everybody share this right now. Share this stream right now. Because they're, they're, in, they're involved in some good cars now, actually. So, all right. Overcomer. I know what it's like to be overwhelmed. Overcomer. That's why I gave you the scripture so we can stay on point. The clock tells me I have eight minutes left, but I'm the baby. <laughs> I love definitions that have the word of the word we're defining in the definition because you could do that in the dictionary, but you could never do that in school. To be like, you can't do that. You can't use the word that you're defining in the word that you're trying to define. Exactly. This is from Webster. They'd fail elementary school. Some of their definitions are horrible anyway now. You got to go back 100 years to find out what language really was because we love to change language to suit our agenda. As a matter of fact, the, one of the top strategies of an agenda is to change language why don't you just circle back the last 40 years and see how language has changed? What was it, a princess bride? I, I don't think that means what you think that means. That was a prophetic word right there. We didn't even know it. 
inconceivable. Don't get me going, Jeff. Don't get me going. I'm trying to stay on point. Overcomer, a person who overcomes something, one who succeeds in dealing with or gaining control of some problem or difficulty. We are called to be overcomers. As a matter of fact, in Christ, we are defined as overcomers. We are defined as not just conquerors, but more than conquerors. Over and above. So how do you do that? We read this last week, but I'm going to read it again until we get it. John 12, 26, in the Passion Translation, Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, follow me and you will go where I am going, wherever he's going. I say this often because we live in a society. Let me tell you, we've always had an issue with offense, but now there is a demonic entity. There has been a release from a principality that has sent spiritual entities across the land and a spirit of offense, not just a condition of the soul and the land, but I'm telling you, I'm speaking a prophetic word right now. A spirit of offense has struck the land and is not merely in society. It has invaded the church. Instead of the church invading the world with the culture of the kingdom, we have allowed the culture of this land to invade the church. It's time to stand on a different standard, a higher standard, and die to self. Because let me tell you, you do not have a right to be offended. You have a right to the cross. If you are his disciple, you will go where he's going. And that life ended on a cross, but it also ended in an empty tomb. Now, we're moving in faith right now, but I can tell you right now that in my wife's heart and mind, she's saying, I wish he wouldn't move so much. Because she's, uh, I'm in the glory. And the glory's going to go with us when we go home. Because last week when I went home, I was in a little bit of pain. I'm the happiest depressed guy you'll ever see. Whatever the doctors say, I got the joy of the Lord. And then some, some days I just got to lay on the couch and sleep, but that's fine. I'm on salary. I don't clock in. I'm the baby. The last half of 12, oh, this is terrible. The board of directors are here. A prophetess is here. Pastor Manny and Fredlin are here. Oh, my goodness. The last half of 1226 says, and if you truly follow me as my disciple, the Father will shower his favor upon your life. Oh, we love the favor, but maybe we don't love being nailed to a cross. Jesus, come on. Talk about it. I'm gonna. John 15, 17. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta listen to the words of a dying man. Passion Translation says, so this is my parting command, love one another deeply. Oh, and I don't like that person. You don't know. I know. I got bite marks all over my back from the last 20, 30 years of ministry. And I'm still smiling. As a matter of fact, now I'm at a level of discernment that I can feel it. I can feel it when people talk to talk about me. I know. 
but I still love you. I mean, nobody here does that. I'm just talking about all the people out there. Sometimes you just can't help it. The soul is the soul. No, that's not right. You can't help it. So this is my part in command. Love one another deeply. Following Jesus produces faithfulness because only the faithful will follow him where he goes. Jesus himself said, I only do, I can't do anything of myself. I only do what I see the Father doing. That was Jesus in earthly form. He subjected himself to to the futility of human flesh, which means that he had to hang on to Abba just like we do. And he became the prototype of what is possible when we follow him where he goes. Several years ago, the same season of time, a little bit after, there was a a man, well-meaning man who, I told this story, I think last week, but a a well-meaning man who wrote on a notebook, it was at least one full page of all the revelatory reasons he got about my life, all the reasons why I wasn't healed. Yeah, this happens. This stuff got burned out on me like when I was in my 20s, so it's really hard to offend me. You can come up to my face and tell me you don't like me, and I still smile, but I will tell you the truth. You want to you learn how to cut down on pastoral counseling messages or, or pastoral counseling meetings? Tell people the truth. In love. I, I'm pretty loving. I'm pretty good. Internally, I might be seething, but I have a great poker face. So he came up to me, and I looked at him right in the eyes. So I was a worship leader. I wasn't even the pastor yet. I was a worship pastor. And he came up to me, and then I said, you know why I'm not healed? Because you don't look like Jesus yet. So why don't you go live a lifestyle of fasting and prayer and look like Jesus? Then you're not going to have to come to me with all the reasons that I'm not healed because you're going to have more authority over me than my history. Let's look like Jesus. And you know what? There are reasons. Paul says there are reasons. When we receive communion unworthily, when we have unforgiveness in our heart, and that affects our bodies in physical ways. There are reasons. So you better make sure your heart is clean when you say something like that. So I did take his list, very briefly, prayerfully considered it, and, and then I threw it away. This guy didn't even leave the church. It was amazing. Following Jesus, again, produces faithfulness because the faithful, only the faithful will follow him where he goes. And sometimes we are not faithful. We don't go where he goes, but we circle back. Remember, when Jesus was on the cross, only one of the disciples stayed. You know, when Jesus was doing the stuff on the mountain, we love to bash mega churches and this and that. Not we, I'm just saying people in general. This is why I've stayed off of social media. I'm starting to engage again because I'm supposed to, you know, it's part of my job, I guess. Social stuff. Expanding my social horizons. I even did something social this week. It was great. The cheesecake was amazing. So, I don't know what I was even going to say. What was I saying? I got lost on cheesecake. I don't know. We'll just... Yeah, I know. I was doing that. I was going to tell a story. I I shouldn't. We're, We're already past time. When you miss the mark... You will miss the mark. How you respond will will determine the faithfulness of your heart. We won't always be faithful, but faithfulness is still a fruit of the Spirit, right? 
But there will be times, there will be moments, we will miss the mark. And sometimes, based on our history or based on uh, whatever kind of religious structure we may have been brought up in, we heap shame upon ourselves. We self-flagellate, but we, we forget that Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation for you. Now there's just discipline, direction, correction for you. And now he's transforming you from one level of glory to another level of glory. So you will fall. You will falter. You will stumble into fear, doubt, and offense. I will never again preach a message on the unoffendable heart. I did it once, and in three weeks, I got offended. But it's really hard to offend me. Please don't try. But it's difficult. Why? Because... I know Jesus. Now, let me tell you why. I'm going to tell you why, even though we don't have time for this. I got lucky. I had an encounter. I was one of the most offended people on the earth in my 20s, partly because I thought I knew everything. I was the guy sitting in front of the old wise guy telling him I didn't agree with him, telling him how to run his church. I was the cynical one when the, the, the minister would call out a word of knowledge for healing or a dental miracle. And I'm like, oh, that ain't gonna happen. In my mind, I was that guy. And then I got into that situation where I walked in on a worship team practice and I, I heard you know, some of the, the vocalists talking bad about me behind my back. Well, in that case, it was in front of me because I walked in on them. I was the guy who had the, the, some of the leaders in the church say, oh, you know, you're, pl- you're, you're in the flesh. People say, you play too many of your old, own songs. You play too many uh, new songs. You're playing too many old songs. I was the guy that had the head of the intercessory, whatever they had there, come up to me with Bible open and look at me straight in the eye after a service and tell me, you missed God today. I've had it all. Years later, I was the guy that after a conference had a woman walk up to me at 7 a.m. in the hotel restaurant and tell me how much she hated my worship and she didn't want to come to the conference because she hated my worship so much. I'm pretty good at it. It's not because I stink. I'm pretty good at it. It's just that the spirit of God comes and affects people and touches people in the place of their pain. And sometimes they don't want to deal with that. So they'd rather hate me than love him. So I'm that guy. So about 1990-something, or you know, I had an encounter with the Lord in the midst of worship on the day that I said, this is the last day that I will ever lead worship in church. The last day. I was done. This is my last day. It was August. I believe it was August of 97 or 98. And in the middle of that, I don't remember what the set list was. We were probably playing the happy song. That was one of those go-to songs that made everybody jump around. I will dance, I will sing, before my king. I don't know if you know that one. Oh, oh wait, no, no, well, no. Was that the undignified song? Oh, no, no, it wasn't that one. I only played that one ever once because that was my mom. My mom's favorite song was this undignified song. And I said, okay, mom, she was up visiting from Costa Rica. They were missionaries in Costa Rica. I said, I will play this song if you dance in church. Because I didn't think she'd actually dance in church. And I started playing the song and then she just 
dawdled up the aisle like an old white lady and danced out of rhythm like no soul, no nothing. And I was mortified, but I was already in the song. I couldn't back out now. <clears throat> she couldn't even clap on rhythm, but she did it in the circular motion. That's how white people do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. So I'm in this service last day, and over the people, I see Jesus. I might have even told this story last week. I, I don't know. Whatever. doesn't matter. I'm the baby. And he was walking from my left, from there, across, over the people. I could still see the people, over the people, and he was carrying his cross. This is several years before the Passion of the Christ movie. So this is not something that I was really, I'm, I'm telling you, he looked like that, bloodied, beaten, broken, and I'm watching this as we're worshiping, and in he gets to the middle, and his face turns to me, and we lock eyes, and he says, what offense are you bearing that I have not already borne for you? Jesus. And in a moment, all of that angst of a 20-something-year-old who thought he knew everything, all of that cynicism, all of that offense lifted off of me as if it was a spirit, a demonic entity that had been on me since I was a little boy, lifted off of me in a moment, and I can count on one hand the, the amount of times I've been offended since. Uh, every time I tell this story, the fear of the Lord comes on me. My wife doesn't count, by the way. I mean, my wife is a marriage relationship. That's iron sharpening iron. That's different. <clears throat> and all God's people said, wow. I was like, I mean, we're getting seriously Monty Python in here. I was like, amen. Don't go watch Monty Python and figure out what I'm talking about. Please <clears throat> be holy. <laughs> You will fail and you will falter. You will stumble into fear, doubt, and offense. Men, you may allow the gaze of your eyes to be fixed upon that which is less than holy. Let's talk about it. Not right now, but let's talk about it. Let's be real. We're being real in my life group. I hope you're being real in yours. You may sin in your body and outside of it. You may sin against yourself. You may sin against others. You may hold ideologies, misguided theologies, political alignments, earthly assignments, and even, even the, skunk, the color of our skin across the nations have become idols between our face and God's. I've been around the world. This is not an American problem. This is a human problem. We think that we've got xenophobia here. You ain't been around the world. I've seen it a hundredfold what we've got going on here. All have sinned and fallen short. And we cannot make up the gap. You can't work your way. You can't sing your way. You can't attend your church today to make up the gap between your face and his. Only surrender. And it starts with a yes to Jesus. That's where it starts. Just with a yes. You don't, you don't have to have all the theology figured out. It just starts with a yes. And when you say yes, I'm telling you, it's like a hot shower on a cold day. It's like a, a genuine agenda-free hug when you're in mourning. 
It's like a full night's sleep, uninterrupted by, uninterrupted by a screaming baby. Only new moms know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, Rosie? We never knew what that was like with Riley. At least not for the first three months. It's like the first light of dawn when your hope is fading. It brings you to a place of rest, enables you to be at your best, but with the understanding that his grace is sufficient for you. When you are not sufficient for yourself, he is. When you miss the mark, and you will, how you respond will determine the faithfulness of your heart. John 15, 17, again, this is my part and command, love one another deeply. David was known as a man, a man after God's own heart. I've had all kinds of Davidic prophetic words over me for 30 years. You have a Davidic anointing. You have a Davidic anointing. I remember people used to say, oh, you will dance like David danced. And I was like, that'll never happen until it happened. I mean, I didn't take my clothes off, but if you don't know that, story, read the word, join, it's not too late to join Greta's online group, they're reading the Bible in a year, you can join right now. David was known after a, a, a man, a God, after a man after God's own heart, because before the cross, this is why I love it so much, see we, you know, we live in an age of grace because the cross of Christ and the Holy Spirit came down in Acts 2, and so we don't even know what it's like to live without the Spirit of God, but David before the cross, before the age of grace, in the midst of the law, he saw God as not some overlording, distant being of judgment and destruction. He saw Abba, Father, which is all God ever wanted in the beginning. He wanted a family, and in the end, that's what he is going to get. And he prayed a prayer like this in First Chronicles 29, 10 through 13. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord, our God uh, of Israel, our father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and, and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord. And you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all and in your hand is power and might and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone now therefore our God we thank you and praise you your glorious name this is a king before the cross with the revelation of who the Godhead is So when you feel hopeless, fatigued, fallen, faithless, overwhelmed, and offended, what do you do? What do you run to? What do you hold before your vision? Where do you go for refuge? This, that is your God. The thing you hold between your face and his, the first commandment, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not hold anything between yourself in the skin of his face. That word for the before me is pena. It literally means the skin of the face of God. We got all kinds of idols that we don't even realize. The other thing about David is that he always went back to the Father. No matter what he did, 
Man, he sinned. He committed adultery with some babe that he saw taking a bath because he was looking at stuff that he shouldn't have been looking at when he, he was actually supposed to be out. It was a time when kings go out to war and he didn't go. He stayed. And so he had some idle time and he was checking out some chick taking a bath. And he's like, I'm the king. I want that woman. Then he finds out that he, her husband is in the army. And so he wants her so bad that he sends that guy to the front line knowing that he would die, he murdered and committed adultery. Oh, but he's a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he knew that even in his sin, that if he came back to the father, he would be forgiven. But let me tell you that his kingliness, his kingship, that his rule was never quite the same after that. There are consequences that you live out, even under grace. Puts the fear of God on me. but he always went back to the father. Man, when I was a kid, if I like swore or said a bad word or smoked a cigarette on a Saturday, I wouldn't engage in worship on Sunday because I was like, I don't deserve to experience the presence of God today. That's how I thought. I always knew the goodness of God, but I would hold myself back from it as if in my holding back, I could earn favor. When the word clearly says, now let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace by the blood of the lamb. No matter what. So there is a solution. There is an antidote. There is a, a salve to, to, to seal and heal your wounds. I don't even know how to say that word correctly right now. If you let him touch you in the place of your pain. Oh, I don't, I don't want him to touch that. You got to touch it. A while back, I told that story when I, I scraped myself outside as a little boy and I walked inside and I was crying and I had a little bit of blood and I wanted to show my mama the wound and all I really wanted her to do was just to comfort my heart. But she went into the, she went into the closet and she pulled out that spray. I think it was called, what, Bactine? Was that what it was? Or Nova something or this or that? I don't know. But man, when I saw that aluminum can, I know a lot of those things are plastic now, but man, it was that aluminum can. I, the fear hit me because I knew what was about to happen. I didn't want to be healed. I just wanted to be comforted in my pain. I wanted to keep my wound. I didn't want the stuff that was necessary to keep it from getting worse and to help it to get better. We live our lives that way. We don't want to allow Holy Spirit to come and touch us in the place of our wounding. We want the comfort. We want the good feelings. We want to be in the middle of worship where we get to feel the goosebumps, but the healing sometimes requires that the pain gets worse just for a moment before it gets better. We don't want to weep in the presence of God, but we love the joy. In the midst of your temptation to be overcome by your circumstance and what you think is happening because you're watching the wrong or the right or the any news channel today. Turn it off. Man, I heard the dumbest, the dumbest stuff in the last year. I, I just, in the midst of it, guess what? He made a way of escape. First, Thessalonians 5, 12 through 24. One of my favorite passages of scripture. I'm going to read this out of the ESV. 
says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and, and admonish you. <laughs> I can read that because I'm the baby. And to esteem them very highly in love because of the work. Be at peace among yourselves. Amazing that that instruction ends with be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, verse 14, brothers, admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. I don't know why she did that. I don't know why he did that. The book of Romans says, bear with those of lesser faith. There's your answer. Shut the mouth of offense and walk like Jesus did. Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, not just the select few that you identify with. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Won't he do it? Come on. Somebody say hallelujah in this place. Somebody say praise the Lord. I'm getting Pentecostal on you now. Now let me break it down to you as we close because Jeremy and Kelly are here. They know for me that, you know, game time is at 1 p.m. today, so... I'm not thinking about that. I'm not. Let me just a little bit. I like my football. And I love my Jesus. In that order, I love my Jesus. I like my football. Nine steps. I preached this earlier this year because so many people were offended with the prophetic. Just this passage. But it, it, I got to say it again because some of us, we, we ain't doing it. So let me break it down. Let's make it easy. Let's make the... Let me give you the bite-sized morsels. Nine steps to move from being overwhelmed to being an overcomer. Number one, rejoice always. That's why I'm the most joyful, depressed person you're ever going to see. Clinically, medically, whatever eat in my body, they say I'm depressed. I look at you and say, I got joy. But it doesn't mean I don't have to do the work. It doesn't mean that I don't have to get in and tear down the strongholds, these systems of logic in my mind that are still built upon lies that I believe to be true. It doesn't mean that I'll tell you what, like my first therapy session, like I did not want to go where that woman was going. But we went there because I understood I got to be touched in a place of pain that I didn't even realize was there until she started talking about it. And a few years ago, I flew out to Elijah House when Mark Sanford was still at Elijah House, and I did a week with him. And, you know, I'd been in therapy when I was in college, but with my intellect, I danced around the woman, and we never dealt with any issues. But Mark Sanford is not only in inner healing, he's a prophet. So he got to open the discussion. I didn't even get to open my mouth before he released a prophetic word. And he said, I see this on your left shoulder and I see this on your right shoulder and I see this over your head. I was like, oh, we going there now. Rejoice always. 
again I say rejoice. That's another passage. Number two, are you overwhelmed? Let me tell you how to be an overcomer. Pray always. Number three, you want to go from being overwhelmed to being an overcomer? Give thanks always. You don't have to feel it to speak it because your spirit is perfected. The spirit in you is not the problem when you have surrendered your life to Jesus. It's your soul. It's your mind, your will, your will, your emotions. But we're called to walk by spirit. That's a space of wisdom, communion, and conscience. You don't have to feel something to say it. I don't often feel like coming into worship on a Sunday morning, but I do partly because it's my job. But I I also know that when I step in and when I release a sound that what is on me lifts off of me put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness God I thank you for the cross I thank you for the blood I thank you for an empty tomb I thank you that you ascended to the right hand of the father and you're enthroned in majesty and glory and light I thank you for the thunders and the lightnings that proceed from your throne I thank you that at the name of Jesus demons flee and every work of darkness falls off of us. I thank you that your angels are stationed at the door so that when people walk on this into this room, COVID dies, COVID dies, COVID dies, COVID dies, sickness and disease dies, Craig, cancer dies. We speak the life of God. We will fight until, we will fight until, and I'm thankful, God, that this is how we fight our battles. We ain't done yet. That's just number three. Number four, do not quench the spirit. That's not what you think it is sometimes. Oh, I can't believe the pastor got up in the middle of worship and started with the word, he quenched the spirit. I've heard that, not here, but I've heard that growing up. Do not quench the spirit. I can't go into that. You meditate on that this week if, you've got a, if you need understanding of what that actually means who the Holy Spirit is in your life. Don't worry about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit being quenched in a service. Worry about you quenching the Spirit Monday through Saturday. Do not despise prophecy. Prophets are weird. And they're moody. The greatest lessons I learned from Papa Che is how to handle prophets. But anyway, but I, lo I love you all. I, I love you, Mary. I love you. And Maybelle, I mean, Maybelle just comes up in front of me and she's like, she starts crying. Just Maybelle. Greta anointed me with oil. I mean, I I'm okay with that, but I don't like to be anointed with oil before service because I sweat and it gets in my eyes. She said, sorry, not sorry. But you know, I gotta do this whole thing. Where, where, where does it say, where does it say, uh, uh, encourage the faint, help the weak, be patient with them all. Even the people that anoint you with oil before service when they know you don't like it. But I love you. And apparently my, my doctor does too because he takes your advice over mine. Greta says I'm better. Oh, I must be better. 
Test everything in love. Here's the problem with the prophetic. We want to reform the prophetic, and I think the, the prophetic could use some reforming, but the issue to me is not the prophetic. It's a church that will not discern the word, and we drink it like milk, and when it doesn't come to pass, we want to blame the prophet instead of looking at our own hearts and why we did not discern what was spoken because it tickled our ears in the moment. I've been in the prophetic church for 20 plus years. We love our milk. It's time to eat some steak. The church, I'm not talking about the prophets. Man, if the church discerns the word that's coming out of the mouth of the prophet, the false prophets or the prophets that just make a mistake, there's a difference between the two, by the way. We'll be taken care of through the discernment of the body and we will still love them. to the goodness of God. Hold fast to the goodness of God. Hold, this is a command in the word of God. Hold fast to the goodness of God. Hold fast in every circumstance. Oh, Pastor Paul, you don't know what I'm going through. There was, so, there was one particular woman that would come to me every week. She cut me off in the hall. She cut me off everywhere. I would try to run away from her. There was one conference where we had the screens in the back and the screens in the front. And so I could see the camera in the sanctuary and see which way she was going. And I would just go the other way. I'm just confessing my sin before you. But I got to the point where I said, I don't want to, I'm not, don't, don't tell me your problems. Go pray for somebody. I've heard it, don't pray. She'd walk up to me, go pray for somebody. And maybe put a mint in your mouth first. But go pray for somebody. I truly said that, I, I kid you not. You want to cut down on pastoral counseling meetings? Tell the truth. But let me tell you, after four weeks, five weeks, six weeks of me telling her to go pray for somebody, suddenly the issues of her life didn't seem so big because she started to see that even the Holy Spirit could work through her. You want a pastoral meeting with me? Go pray for somebody first. Go to Walmart, go to Starbucks, pray for somebody. Maybe not little flippers, because we had one lady that went over there and got us in a little bit of trouble. But she was mentally ill. We prayed for her and loved her for years, but that's a whole other story. Hold fast to the goodness of God. Abstain from evil, by the way. Time to get real in our life groups. It's time to get real in our men's ministry. It's time to get real in church. Abstain from evil and be sanctified. How do you become sanctified? You allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify you. Holy Spirit, search us and know us. Yeah, yeah, search even the places that I'm trying to hide. Lord, what are the thrones of my soul that I haven't given over to you? Would you search me and know me so that the, 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 the river won't be stopped by the, this thick wall, this dam of my soul will be broken open and now rivers of living water will gush out of me. He wants to sanctify you, not to show you how bad you are or how many mistakes you've made, he wants to sanctify you so that you can see what's possible in Him. He wants to fill you and release through you power and anointing for the kingdom. Even you. Yes, you. I don't care what your history is. I don't care what happened last night or this morning. My God is able to do above and beyond anything you could ever ask or think. 
I know sometimes my face looks angry. I'm not angry. I'm angry at the devil. I'm angry at our thought life. I'm angry at the strongholds, even in my own mind, the things that have held me back. I'm angry that for years I ministered in a way that I thought I should until the Holy Spirit hit me with what felt like a lightning bolt and said, this is your anointing. Walk ye in it. He didn't really speak in King James, but it sounds better that way. How can you possibly do this? Romans 5, chapter 1 through 6 in the Passion Translation, which I didn't get to read last week, and I'm going to read this week because I like it so much. And let's stand while I read this. And I want you to receive this today, even in the place of your pain, in the space of your inadequacy, because let me tell you, going to move from being overwhelmed to being an overcomer to being more than a conqueror you're going to step into identity today if you're watching online let me tell you i know we sent on a graphic last night about our ministry rooms that are going to open right now bridgemetrowest.com forward slash ministry rooms we've got prayer we want to pray breakthrough over you we got prophetic teams i think we got dream teams you got a dream that you want interpreted sign up right now let's go online you guys can do it don't leave the live stream though open up another tab because I'm going to read this over you. People are walking out because they're part of our teams, not because they don't like me. Just so you know, no excuse to walk out unless you're on a team. Romans chapter 5, our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. Oh, our faith in Jesus, it's just faith. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. It's a miracle. I added that part. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. So right now, lift your hearts, lift your hands, lift your voice. Something is happening in this room. Hey, we're moving from being overwhelmed by circumstance to being overcomers. This is how we fight our battles with the sound. There's something he put in you. It's time to release it. You don't have to feel it to release thanksgiving unto the king. We thank you, God, that you are seated high above all principality and power and ruler and authority. And you're over every sickness and disease, every sickness, God. Every, every little bit of physical pain, you are sovereign. You are sovereign. I know what it's like to suffer. I know what it's like to be in health, God. But in every circumstance, I give you thanks. Even when I say I can't do it anymore. Even when I'm weeping before my wife, I can't do it anymore. I know my God is able to do above. You're the supply. You're the creator. You're the author. You're the finisher.
Thank you for listening to this message from the Bridge Metro West in Natick, Massachusetts. Paul David Gidgery is the senior pastor at the Bridge. For more information about the Bridge Metro West family, our gatherings and events, visit www.bridgemetrowest.com or call us at 508-651-0277.